welcome to Why Make, where we talk with makers from different disciplines about what inspires them to make, with your hosts, Rob Helmkamp and Eric Wolken. If you'd like to learn more about the makers we interview on Why Make, please go to our website, why-make.com. And please help support the Why Make podcast on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash why make podcast or the Patreon link on our website. Welcome, Why Make listeners, to 2021. 2020 was quite the dumpster fire. And oh. yes. And have we survived? Have we not survived? I don't know, but we are I think we're keep... here. Are you here? I am here. I'm diminished, but here. And, and we are going to continue to have amazing conversations with makers and see just how they psychically and emotionally and creatively have dealt with the pandemic and still what remains of the pandemic. So, Rob, what were some of your thoughts from 2020 and the why make world? Well, I think, Eric, we're actually getting better at doing this podcast thing. You know, it's been, what are we getting on to? Episode 26, I think. That was our our Daniel Marinelli bonus. <laughs> we're, we're getting into our third season here. So we're actually getting better at, at, uh, at talking and interviewing and making fun of each other and you know i think we're 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 doing a pretty good job at uh, creating this history that we've set out to create and you know to, to archive a lot of the amazing makers that are that we interview and that we're going to interview yeah um we've had some amazing conversations i am i mean in many ways just and you know i'm just blown away by the intelligence and and richness and diversity of our guests and the wide range of backgrounds and experiences and you know just the the level of thought that they put into making just as inspires me whether i'm able to go into my studio and make anything i am inspired by other makers so i you know i think that has been a gift to me you know, as insane and all-consuming and horrifying as 2020 was, I mean, the pandemic, political, social protest, the presidential election, it was just, it was wonderful for the discoveries we had doing Why Make in 2020. And, you know, I can't, uh, I can't understate just how thankful I am that we did have this, this venue, this medium in which to discuss our experiences from the last year. Yeah, yeah, wow. That, I mean, it's it, it's something that, you know, being in the the situation that we're all in, that the whole world's in, it, it just makes you, you know, take things for granted and really think about things. But, you know, I've, I've been in awe of the connection that we've continued to maintain with each other th- around the pandemic, whether we're making phone calls or using Zoom or Messenger or whatever application is 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 useful. But, you know, I, I've managed to stay in a good space creatively in my shop throughout 2020 now getting into this year is a different story but that's neither here nor there but i've i've have had less let's see i've had less creative inspiration with why make in 2020 but why make has actually helped me keep my chin up and keep plugging along you know eric and i have both pushed and pulled and helped each other a lot to stay sane throughout the year and i've you know i'm very thankful for just the the connection that that why make is fostered 
between us and the community and each it's other. It's kind of interesting because I remember our very first conversation of the year was Valerie Burledge, and I really wanted to make the whole conversation about the pandemic. And you rightfully, you know, got me to step back and say, well, it's not the only thing that's going on here. I mean, we really want to not overshadow this maker and make it entirely about these outside circumstances. So again, you know, I've really valued our give and take because, you know, this is a cooperative venture. And, you know, sometimes even though I dig in my heels, learning how to go, yeah, this is a really good idea. And, and, you know, maybe it's not about what I think. And I think that's been wonderful for me because I really have lost touch with my creativity in 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 the last year. I spent very little time in the studio, um, so my creativity is basically centered around why make and, and endlessly spending hours noodling on my mandolin, uh, and largely by myself because you can't get together with other people and play. Uh, it's just it's really just interesting to think about psychically what's happened in in this last year and our good friend nick beery so nick went with us on our very first trips to Asheville. taught us how to use all the audio equipment all the editing equipment did all our early early filming videography of our trip to Asheville. and um and uh, recently, we all got together and watched a documentary on George Nakashima with him. And Nick posed a very interesting question. Um, Nick said, if you could take a pill and make the last, however long this last two years go away, and it's like it never happened, basically Rip Van Winkle it, would you do it? And would you do it, Rob? I yeah, that's a hard one. I I probably wouldn't. I mean, and and it basically comes down to like just that our experiences make us. And you know, if we skip this whole thing, I mean, it'd be weird to skip the whole thing, and we're the only ones that skipped it, and we came back in and didn't have the experience that everybody else around us had. So I don't know. I think experience is is an important part of the journey that we all take through life. So I'd I'd say no. Well, actually, interesting, as I as I approach my 60th birthday, the notion of losing two years is, one, not attractive, and, and two, you're, you're, you're 100% right. Who we are as people, as makers, as creators is our experience, and, you know, that means the horrible experiences, and that means the good experiences, that means yeah. the, the once-in-a-lifetime experiences like a pandemic, and uh, can't trade that for anything i mean as horrible as it's been um as hard as it's been it's a it's a resounding no for me i am not going to rip van winkle it we had some great guests in 2020 and we thought we'd uh we'd introduce some sound clips from 2020 so um rob you want to go ahead and introduce the first clip you know, we started a little late in the year. I mean, obviously kind of working around the elephant in the room and just different kind of going from our whole kind of um, idea of getting this started was to go to artist studios. And that kind of fell apart. Um, it fell apart in the, actually in the fall of 2019 with a canceled trip up into West Virginia and Pennsylvania. And then it led into us just kind of reinventing how we're going to do this. And the pandemic actually kind of 
gave us a lift because we needed to do stuff from home and we had to figure it out. So, you know, our first real interview was with um, a maker named Valerie Burlage. It was episode 13. Before I get to it, I just want to say it was a great year of interviews. I had a hard time deciding like so the the whole plan we've got is to choose little samples and talk about each one choose our little favorite moments our freeze frames of each episode if you will and and talk about them but man there were so so many good things that folks talked about in the conversations we had it was tough i mean i literally had 20 minutes worth of stuff that i had to whittle down to to just four minutes um Say lovey, we'll get started. That means we had a good time doing it. So Valerie um, is a maker from Asheville, North Carolina, and episode thirteen um, from April of last year. Valerie talks about some really wonderful things about her career as a maker, um, form over function, which is a really important aspect of the beautiful and colorful work that she makes. And that's you know a lot of that stuck out for me. But we're gonna listen to this clip really quick and um, see why she does what she does. Um, I think as artists, you have to have tough skins. We are told no so many times. Like, it probably didn't hurt as much as it would some other people. <laughs> but we are a resilient uh, lot, us artists. I, I can't think of anything else I want to do. I mean, yeah. I've known that since I was very young. And um, it is what we what makes me happy. And at the end of the day, happiness cannot be overrated. I think one of the things that that Valerie, the point Valerie made that's really poignant is that being a maker is also a lifestyle and it's also something a lot of us do because it brings us happiness. I think that's just a a wonderful reason to be a maker. Be happy. I mean, as as much of a struggle, as much of a struggle as that is, it's just very, it's very welcoming to hear Valerie say that. From episode 16, we have uh, Jason Schneider from his studio in Marquette, Michigan, in the upper reaches of the Upper Peninsula. And this clip talks about his discovery of cardboard and, uh, you know, this material that he was aware of. And obviously there's a rich history, you know, specifically the architect Frank Gehry and, and the wiggle chair. But, you know, having discovered it in sort of a very odd way, it has, you know, brought him endless inspiration. So let's listen to Jason describe rediscovering cardboard. Well, I've always um, known of those piece, iconic pieces and, and cardboard as a material, like Frank Gehry's wiggle chair and other cardboard chairs. And uh, my friend uh, Jennifer Anderson did a really cool cardboard piece in grad school. Um, and, you know, it's just a, a material that's everywhere. Brian Gladwell uh, uh, makes beautiful cardboard furniture as well. Um, But I never had an interest in it uh, at all until while I was at the Anderson Ranch, my first year working there, uh, we had all of the fluorescent light fixtures replaced in the studio. Mm. And uh, I had to throw away the cardboard boxes. And they were gorgeous. They were like pristine, hardly dented. The electricians were just really careful with with their process. And um had beautiful print on it and it came time to throw it away and i was in this beautiful landscape in colorado and i was like hmm this uh, seems like a shame to throw away this gorgeous material let me see what i can do with it and so i started to uh, glue it up stack laminate it Mm -hmm. and i started to use all the woodworking tools on it the bandsaw the wood turning lathe chainsaw and every time i would work with it it would just surprise me the crazy textures and patterns that I would get. And so it, 
it still keeps me going. Moving on in the season, we talked with B.A. Harrington, a maker who actually teaches at, and Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, um, she teach, currently teaches at IUP. Yes, Indiana University of Pennsylvania in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Let's listen to something she said at the end of our conversation. I thought this was rather poignant. So let's take a listen to it. Also, just I was feeling really um, afraid about the relevance of making things, putting more stuff out into a world where the landfills are already, you know, I tell my students, I say that the last thing every semester I tell my students, the last thing the world needs is more stuff. So if you're going to make something, make it with intention, be purposeful. This pretty much summed up a place where a lot of us are right now, where we're aiming for, maybe even strive to be, and just to, to make with intention. I mean, the world is full of objects, and that doesn't mean that there should be any less objects, but it means that don't make something that's throwaway. I mean, make something that's near and dear to something that you believe in and you want to see realized in the world. Moving on, episode 15 with Brian Fireman, a maker and architect in South Carolina, just outside of Asheville. And he talks about an experience a lot of people have, which is, you know, that that first inkling of an idea where you're staring at a blank piece of paper and and it's it's terrifying. And that, you know, we've talked with a, a lot of sculptors and furniture makers, but there's a certain comfort in starting with a piece of of starting with a functional object because you have parameters and bounds. It still doesn't mean that the blank piece of paper isn't terrifying and that it's still not hard to get going, but uh, listen to listen to Brian Fireman as he sort of describes that experience. I think design is one of the scariest things you could possibly do. Um, you know, you sit down with that blank sheet of paper and you... If you don't have some kind of limits, furniture has its own limits because it's it's got a, some dimensions, and you know you choose some species of woods to work with, and you know it's a it's a chair or it's a table or it's a bed or whatever you're doing. Those are some limits right there. But yeah, yeah. you know if you don't have some idea to help guide where you're headed with your with your thoughts, it's terrifying. So yeah, some of the scariest moments I've had is just the, those beginning stages. Daniel Marinelli was episode 25 from December. We're kind of skipping around a little bit. Talking with Daniel was a lot of fun. He's a Greenville, South Carolina sculptor and maker. Um, He talks a lot about risk in his work in our conversation, the value of finishing bad ideas, and the more practical side of his making. Okay, goods. You'll, You'll really enjoy the episode. Take a chance to listen to it. But one of the things that I love about Daniel and his creative practice is that he embraces an analog way of designing. So you know, pretty much taken pencil to paper, you know, to design and, and make his work. If you go to the website and you look at some of his wonderful uh, paintings and mechanical drawings, you can really see how he how he thinks about objects. And God, even I use the computer. Even I use a CAD program. And it's just so wonderful to think about somebody who, much younger than me, is thinking taking a totally analog approach to how he thinks about making. So I think there's something to be said about the effort that it takes to sort of work things out in analogs, uh, similar to some models that I work on, whether it's um, for, a, for a proposal for a larger piece. I think there's something really nice to 
present a three-dimensional model of that thing as opposed to just some screenshots of of that object. Going back to sort of my my love for math and the analog way to create these drawings, um, I was figuring out how to create shapes. And this is, again, this is all just sort of by graphing it on paper and um, figuring out a way to create three-dimensional shapes, but figuring out what those look like flat first before you roll them and create a shape. And so I was plotting points and creating these flat surfaces and what those shapes look like flat first. And then, mm-hmm. and then they, get, they get rolled in a slip roller and create these now curved shapes that go together. And so, um, yeah, they're just these sort of, I would say, pretty geometric, um, volumetric shapes, just sort of celebrating math and um, form. They're not, they're, they're not a whole lot of um, narrative necessarily, or, or it's certainly not heavy on concept. It's more just the form and celebrating that form and, and the geometry that um, I can nerd out on to get to that. Episode 22 was with Corey Robinson, and we spoke with him from his office at the Heron School of Art in Indianapolis, Indiana. And and again, sort of talking about the discovery and picking a path in which to go. Uh, I think Corey had an opportunity to do an internship at the Australian National University. And uh, Rob, you'll have to correct me. Canberra? Canberra. Canberra in Canberra, Australia, and he had a uh, he had a whole plan of of how he was going to approach it. He was going to go sort of down of a political historical path, and had planned out his whole internship. And then he got there and realized that none of it was really appropriate for where his head was at at this point. And he just started doing some little drawings, and and those drawings sort of created a whole language and path which he's he's still following. So again, you know, another interesting way to discover you know the next step here's our clip with uh cory robinson from episode 22 i reverted back completely to the other end of the spectrum and i started making these um really modernist shape drawings and paintings and and i got consumed by them and i fell in love with doing them in a way that i hadn't really been attracted to my own art making in a long time and so I always saw them as the beginnings of sort of a design language, and I'm still working in that language. It's very much rooted in sort of a modernist approach to shape making. So this is Sylvie Rosenthal from episode 21. This was October of last year, and we talked with Sylvie, a Madison, Wisconsin-based artist and educator, about her fantastic genre challenging sculpture she makes some really really amazing work um there are multiple layers of understanding and interpretation that she puts in all of her work looking at them and trying to decipher what's going on on the surface it takes digging in to really get to know her work and loving bear costumes that too (laughs) one of one of the most exciting things about our conversation with sylvia was um learning more about a show that she did in in 2018 at the Villa Terrace Decorative Arts Museum in Milwaukee, and it was called House of Risk. So let's check out a clip of Sylvie talking about one of the more challenging and provocative elements of the show. We can always turn it up a little bit. And so we made, without telling the curators, I made a large scale teeter totter and put it in a room 
And I got a little corporate sponsorship from Carpet One. So we put all this carpet padding down and these carpets so that like it wouldn't hurt the floors and like it was secure, but you can't, you're still, and I really like teeter-totters. I've made a lot of large-scale teeter-totters. I think it's good to be in conversation and physically off balance and try to level things out. Do There's a lot of fun things you can do and a lot of things you learn on a teeter-totter and being off balance and finding yeah. balance for a moment. And it was really interesting because people could, and we had these big stuffed bear heads that people could wear on the teeter-totter, of course, carpet things so people could sit around. And it got to be played on the night of the opening. And after that, I got the email that said, we've talked to our insurance agent and we are not sure what, I was like, exactly, let's have this conversation. Like, (laughs) is the risk is too great? Okay, what do we do now? We talk with Sylvie also quite a bit about something that's very meaningful to her. Um, and I, I found it really heartfelt to listen to. And I mean, it, it, it struck a chord with me. They were the fond memories that she has of her mentor, the late Doug Sigler. Let's listen to a clip, um, Sylvie talking about Doug. One of the important things from Doug that I learned was like, Doug really held me accountable to my own dream. And that's what a true mentor does through listening and encouragement that he did that for a lot of people, you know, that he would help you out and give you work, but you also had to do your own damn work. Put Doug in in reference. Doug Sigler was at uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, He was a longtime teacher there. And then he reestablished himself at the Penland School of Crafts and had a uh, had a studio there for many years and also built houses, you know, a, a very long career in which he mentored many people. And, um, you know, Sylvie had a had a profound experience working with Doug. Finally, episode 19. Again, we are jumping around and, and not going in chronological order. We're sort of going in a kind of an, an emotional order. And not to diminish any of the other conversations we had this year, but uh, episode 19 with Adrian Siegel was amazing. We were talking with her from her apartment in the Bay Area. I believe a car alarm goes off at one point in the middle of it. And she's just an amazing maker because she's just so in tune with why she makes. And she brings just this incredible intellectual depth to her making. Uh, You know, the conversation left me both inspired and and ready to give up and retire. I mean, (laughs) you know, when there's makers like this out there... Why am I making these piddly little objects, which I have really no idea what their greater meaning is? And, you know, and she's just developed this path with these um, data driven sculptures that are both incredibly aesthetically beautiful, but also have the ability to sort of have this function of transmitting an idea. Um, And it's sort of a different way of expressing um, function in an object. So we have two clips here, and I'm going to play them both back to back, in which um, first Adrian described building functional objects was interesting, but it just didn't pose enough of an intellectual challenge to her. So she then moved on to building sculptural objects that were driven by data. And then she goes on to describe just how those her new sense of a functional sculpture 
could really express a pretty advanced concept in in the way she has created these wonderful sculptural models of the the horrendous forest fires in California. But I also found in the field of furniture design that problem solving for building structure and for making functional objects was never enough of a conceptual interest and intellectual interest for me to want to do that full time either. And that is probably where trying to tie in my other interests in science or in data or in knowledge and the natural world into building projects. I think that by creating a physical representation that is both sort of dark and beautiful and evocative, we can start to have some of these conversations about what wildfires um, are really, you know, what role they play in society and how we can understand them in a healthier way if we just start to, like, consider all all sides. Um, And I think through sculpture, you can start to do that. So to get back to, like, what purpose does sculpture serve? No, its function is not to, like, hold your coffee cup or to, like, a place to hang your coat. It might be just a pretty thing in the corner of your house, but it can also be this vessel by which we can convey ideas. And essentially, that's what objects and artifacts throughout history have the potential to do. And that's why I'm interested in creating physical manifestations of these ideas. I would I would agree with you, Eric. This is kind of the, the penultimate episode of, of our season last year. It was one that made me think and, you know, and still has me thinking afterwards. What's happening in 2021? 2021 is going to be a good year. Good season. Lots of conversations on the horizon for 2021. Um, Already in the can, as we say in the biz, or on the editing table, is Adam Manley from the University of California, San Diego. Ellie Richards. Ellie Richards is starting a residency at Penland right now, I believe. Yep. So she is, uh, as they say in Penland lingo... She is in the barns. That's where all the... In the uh, barns. Yes. In Penland lingo, she is in the barns. Um, Ellie Richards and then Andy Buck, who's teaching at RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. An amazing conversation with Michael Pierre, a maker that just brings a rich, rich history of making an incredible conversation. Great conversation with Michael. And then one of the last ones that we recorded recently was with Katie Hudnall, and she is currently teaching at Madison, Wisconsin. We we just get into some great talk about sketchbooks and sketchbook. I love oh, her sketchbook is to die for. But great conversation with Katie. So we're 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 working on all those episodes. Um, they'll be coming out slowly but surely. And uh, most of them, if I'm not mistaken, have little bonus episodes along with them. You know, our our ten to fifteen minutes of uh, of talking. Right, and you know, going over. I think the Adam Manley. We have a a discussion of uh, a show he did. Um, Ellie Richards. We have a little bonus make on actually taking the police barricades um, from riots in Philadelphia and turning them into art. Um, So just just some wonderful conversations. Confirmed, meaning conversations we have on the books, 
that are going to happen in 2021. They're being penciled in on the calendar as we speak, working on seeing where those come in and uh right so on groundhog day we have john nakashima and john nakashima actually i know from my time in morgantown west virginia uh he actually worked at west virginia public broadcasting for many years but it's also rob and i's old home but john nakashima is george nakashima's nephew and he spent 20 years doing the definitive documentary on his uncle and rob and i have both watched it twice um, it is incredible. It is it is the definitive documentary on why people make, and specifically on why George Nakashima was a maker. It's 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 an enriching experience to watch it. We're also going to talk with Karen Ernst, and I believe she is a teacher at Edinburgh. Edinburgh State College in Pennsylvania, another sister school to the infamous Indiana University of Pennsylvania where B.A. Harrington teaches. We're also going to talk with Mark Del Guiche. I butchered his name, and I'll probably do that from here on out. Eric, give your pronunciation. Actually, I like it best. Um, We actually uh, texted him and asked him (laughs) for the the correct pronunciation of his name, and he gave the Italian pronunciation, the American pronunciation, and what he's frequently called, which is Mark Del Useless. So we will go with Mark Del Useless. <laughs> Although his furniture is not useless, it's actually no. pretty amazing. And he's he's developed a whole sort of hieroglyphic. Uh, he has developed a whole hieroglyphic. God, can I say Hi- that? Hieroglyphic word? language. Hieroglyphic language. Oh, my God. Yes, he has developed a whole hieroglyphic. Oh, I've just given up. I'm not saying that word. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk with Mark. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, Kimberly Winkle, who is a maker that I've, I've always run into her stuff in the oddest of places, different galleries, unexpectedly. And I just love the, the, the make of her furniture, her use of really thin graphite lines on milk paint and other dyes and oh, just beautiful, beautiful furniture. Ashley Eriksmoen is another maker we're going to be talking to. She is teaching in Canberra. At Australian National University, where Corey Robinson did his internship. And hopefully she'll be still teaching because I believe her program was on the chopping block. Yeah, and that's so hope talk with her more about that. And um, But this is going to lead into, I think, the end of the year. We're going to have uh, just a, a bevy of amazing makers, including Wendy Moriyama. And I, I don't have... I, yeah, at a loss for words for that. We're gonna we're working on putting that interview together right now, and that's just gonna be very exciting. And we're also gonna talk with Gary Knox Bennett um, from his San Francisco studio. Um, he's in, actually in Oakland. I'm sorry. Yes, um, I think you just uh, you just slurred Gary by calling him uh, a San Franciscan. San Francisco. Yes. Oh, Gary, I'm sorry, Gary. And we yeah. are gonna have probably the wildest conversation we've ever had with Gary as he tells us why he makes. Looking forward to a lot of those great interviews and some, I mean, that's, that, that's quite a packed um, season there. So if some of them don't rear their heads until 2022, don't be surprised, but we're going to do our best to get most, if not all of those together and, and, and out to you. This right. Year. So we are, we are, we are staying busy in the, the why make studio, AKA Rob's and mine, uh, you know, secreted holes in both of our homes where we record these things. Our, our bat caves. Our bat caves, yes. No one else is allowed to enter right. unless you have a special pass. And, and if that wasn't enough, um, 
we're actually going to do some side projects. Rob and I are actually going to venture off under the Why Make umbrella and 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 try and do some slightly different things, some little bit more scripted shows. Um, Rob, a big heavy metal listener, is going to, and player, but as well, is going to do a program called Metal May. So this is a kind of a side project of sorts for me. I'm going to have conversations with hard rock and heavy metal musicians who are also artists and craftsmen. And kind of vice versa, too. Uh, you know, artists and craftsmen who also dabble in heavy metal music. Half an hour episodes are what I'm going to aim for every few weeks or so, highlighting each maker and talking about both their art and craft that they that they either dabble in or, or, or do professionally, and then the music making that they take part in. You know, I'm going to kind of cover heavy metal as a blanket. If if it's heavy and it makes you, and if you got to wear earplugs when you listen to it, it counts. I'm giving that a try. And then Eric, well, this is kind of a, a, a side project for both of us, but Eric, I think, is might end up taking the helm of kind of a new crafted podcast from Why Make about appropriation. And uh, take it away. Yeah, I mean, we got this... Uh, I got this idea, um, not so much because I initially was interested in the... Uh, in, in all the political and cultural implications of appropriation, but more because, you know, Rob and I just discussed in our own sort of uh, scroll doom through, uh, doom scroll through Instagram, that if we saw another Nakashima knockoff, another resin river table, or another Maloof rocker knockoff, we were going to scream, literally, we were going to we were just going to lose our shit because, I mean, the world is full of great ideas. You don't need to be derivative. Um, and that's my own sort of personal bone to pick. But obviously, appropriation has, you know, much greater meanings as, as we, uh, you know, sometimes we do steal from other cultures and it's appropriate. And sometimes we steal from other cultures and it's really inappropriate um, to represent that work as being ours. And... What we've done with um, a lot of the makers from the 2021 season is we did a little sidebar asking them their thoughts on appropriation. So we're going to we're going to try and put that together into a why make first a scripted show, which is going to be really weird because I really don't write in English. I write in what do you call it? Ericish? <laughs> yeah. Ericish. And then I have to I have to translate it into understand right yeah it's uh, to me to me writing is basically you know these these uh long trains of thought all you know linked together with the comma because the comma is the most amazing piece of punctuation i'm just gonna call you eric eric the the comma comma, right so (laughs) right so this is this is going to be a scripted show this is going to be uh, i don't know whether we're going to make it out in 2021 but this is a sort of a large-scale side project to talk about so there you go. Te- teasers for, for right. side projects. So, well, this podcast, everyone, and being able to do it over these last, gosh, it's almost, it's about three years, two and a half or three years or so now <laughs> since we came up with the idea, has been a true gift to both Eric and I. And to be able to plan each episode, meet and talk with all all these amazing makers We've made new friends. We've been able to reconnect with old friends, produce, and we're having a really good time doing it. Needless to say, we have never received a single comment Please. from anybody. So oh, it's not that. 
yes, please. I mean, but we're not above bribery. I mean, if you listen to us and we annoy the crap out just, of you. Just tell us, you know. If you just tell us, if you listen to us and you love a little bit of what we say, you know, again, go ahead and write us. And the inspiration to write us is that we do have Why Make Swag. We do have actually beautiful little Why Make round stickers. And oh, Oh, we do have refrigerator magnets. Now, if you say nasty things to us, you'll still get a sticker. Um, You you might not be magnet, (laughs) refrigerator magnet worthy, but... And if you say really nice things, you'll probably get both. You know, and I have an addiction to sticker mule, so every now and then we'll get some new new stickers and, you know, just just let us know. We'd love to to send them to you and but drop us an email either through our website or whymakepodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, we expect at least 3, one from each of our dear listeners. And and I think we do need to name our dear listeners. Oh, oh right. Yeah. My mom. Thanks mom. My brother Brian listens quite a bit, um, and my my sister Johanna. So, although I will say the five star <laughs> listener is your mom, Rob. She has listened. She has listened to. She has listened to every episode. And has she gotten any Why Make swag? She actually does have a Why Make sticker on the door of her studio. Oh well, great. So uh, again, we'd like to thank everybody for uh, listening to Why Make in 2020, and hopefully you'll join us for 2021. Specifically, we've got to thank my wife Carrie and Eric's wife Rachel for putting up with us, hiding in our offices with our headphones on every couple of days. Nick Beery, Joanna Zorn, Eric's sister, for all the suggestions and help along the way. And you know, we're wishing everybody a safe and upbeat and productive 2021. Remember, wearing a mask. It doesn't only save lives, but it also says that we love each other. Yes. And again, why make? Why make? You can listen to Why Make on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also grab our RSS feed or direct download from our website, why-make.com. This episode is currently brought to you by the Holy Pockets of Rob and Eric. Please help us build our creative funding base at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash why make podcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at at why make pod. This episode is recorded on Squadcast and edited by us on Audacity. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.